landlords have been viewed as the bad guys, communist people, people who don't provide value to the to the market, to the community, to the economy. What do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, there's bad apples in every bunch, right? Like, there's bad preachers, there's bad priests, there's bad landlords, there's bad businessmen, um, bad teachers, obviously, right? So, like, yeah, I mean, I think people get categorized a certain way based off of the few that are in the business. Yeah. Right? And so, like... I totally agree. There's bad landlords that don't fix stuff, that they don't they don't take care of their tenants. They're not looking out for their tenants' best interests. They're just trying to make a yield or some appreciation on a property. Uh, but that's not all landlords. And I don't think that's the majority of landlords. I don't even think that's 10% of landlords. I think that's a very small percentage um, of landlords that that have that kind of vulture capitalist kind of mentality, right? Mm-hmm. What is your goal as a landlord? What are you trying to create and what are you trying to do? I'm trying to simply provide a nice place, a decent place for people to live until they decide they want to buy a house or they want to move or they want to find other arrangements for themselves. But my job is strictly to provide a nice, decent, safe place for some folks to live, maybe raise a family um, and advocate for them to do you know, what they ultimately want to do. And some people, you know, and that's the other thing too, right? So like there's a whole bunch of tenants out there that don't ever want to own a home. They just, they don't want to own a home. They have the means to own a home, but you know, they don't want to deal with the problems that come with home ownership. Mm. Right. And so like, and there's a lot of people that don't have to create wealth by owning a house, Mm. right? They create wealth by doing other things. I've noticed that. And so like home ownership to them is more of a nuisance then it is uh, a benefit, right? And so, you know, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with people renting for forever. I've noticed that with a lot of commercial investors. I've noticed that with a lot of people who own condos. I've noticed that with people who don't really invest in real estate. And I may be a little biased, and I just don't understand it, that why you wouldn't want to own, even if you have a property manager managing your properties, it it kind of baffles me. But, you know, to each his own. Some people rent, like, in highly densely populated areas, and they strive and succeed that way. I mean, I have a couple rules. I haven't mentioned them to you before, but on a very high level... I like red spots. So red as in like more right-leaning areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all the way from the state level to the county level and kind of to the city, but really it stops at the county more so. Why? so uh, evictions. Really? <laughs> just, just to be totally candid with you. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not in the business to subsidize somebody that's, you know, I'm not in the business to enable bad behavior. I do not enable bad behavior. As a matter of fact, on a personal note, you know, I've had people enable my own bad behavior. And the only thing that came out of it was a bigger hole that I dug myself into. And they were so, enabling you. Hmm? They were enabling you. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, that's where the term love you to death comes from. Mm. I didn't really realize that. But like, 
at the time I thought love you to death was just kind of an endearing statement. You yes. know, like I love you to death. Well, the problem with that though is, is that if you love somebody to, and you don't have to fall out of love with somebody because they're acting out badly. Right. But you can love them from afar. Mm. And as a matter of fact, I think that's more loving than if you were to enable the person that you love bad into bad behavior and leading them down bad roads. But <clears throat> that's just on a personal level, right? Like speaking it from a, the tenant standpoint, though, too. Like I'm not in the business to 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 allow somebody to make bad decisions, not pay their rent, you know, live like you know, somebody that's homeless or whatever, because after all, this is a home that I'm providing you. If you, you know, if you don't want to live a certain way, then you shouldn't live here. We just, and, and not, I'm not naming any properties, but we just left a place where I think is a direct product of that lifestyle. It is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I and I'm not going to get dig too deep into it, but when I was looking at that, I was like, how could this have been prevented? Um, and why, how did it get to this point? Like when you see a homeless person or, and look, I am far from perfect. I've been in places that you wouldn't even have recognized me. But when, when you see something, you're like, I wonder how it got to this point. And it got there through small, small, bad decisions, just like a successful person through small, small, each and every decision has an equal and opposite reaction. Right. Yeah. You know, so, so that's. And it starts with choosing the right place. Location, location, location. Going back to your red zone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's places, there's all kinds of different landlords, right? And some of them are like slumlords, I guess you could call them or whatever. And maybe there's there's a reason behind that. You know, people don't want to live tidy and they don't want to get better and everything else like that. But that's also not my model, mm -hmm. right? So like the place that we came from today is like, I have no interest in running my business in that, in that way, you know, again, and, you know, to support, um, kind of me mediocrity, I guess like, you know, they call them mids. Even if the numbers <laughs> made sense, even if you would have profit on it. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, like not, not necessarily. It's just not my model. It's, you know, like I have kind of a little bit of a deeper, reasoning for doing it and i i honestly do want to see people thrive yeah. you know instead of just stagnate and it's really from my own personal experiences in life i mean and yeah i mean there's been nights that i've been homeless so, really? so i mean yeah 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 yeah. i, I mean, want to go back to that jc but also i i want to ladies and gentlemen i've seen this gentleman um i've seen him fix a property when it just to make the experience of the tenant that much better. And I'm like, dude, why are you doing this? You don't have to do this, but you did. And I, I asked you why. And you said, because man, I want them to have a good experience. That's, that was like when we first met and that was very impressive. And I was like, maybe this isn't just about the dollar. And then I gave you a quote and a rent at 100%. And I saw you rent out a place for 90% because of the experience to the tenant and the fact that they would probably take care of the place a little more and stay there a lot longer and probably complain a little less. That was very impressive. And 
I kind of wanted to know why, dude. I, I've never really like dug too deep into that. And for the future landlords out there, why did you do that? Because for me, it's not just simply about the numbers and the math, right? There's a little bit of intuition and gut instinct about some of this, right? And not only does it make my life easier by charging a little bit less in rent, but it also makes the tenant's life a little bit easier as well, right? I mean, it gives them a little bit more flexibility to be able to, you know, take their kids out to eat or whatever and do those types of things. And it also benefits me. I mean, for me, $100 extra a month is not the end-all be-all. You know, it's about, again, having a, a respectful client-landlord relationship. And that's how I look at them, too. Like, the tenants are more like my clients, you know? And uh, I, I manage all my own properties. And I like it. I mean, it's fun. There's, there's, ta- there's days that are kind of annoying and like things come up and it's, it's not the most fun. Th- I mean, as, uh, just the other day, you know, I had two, both of the, the bathrooms in the house weren't working. Like they weren't draining. And then I had to call the plumber and we got it all sorted out. It's not a big deal. I mean, it took about 10 hours of time. It wasn't a whole, it wasn't, and not even 10 hours of my time. It, it took 10 hours to get it fixed, right? A day a working day. And it wasn't the most fun thing, but I mean, also at the same time, it's not that big of a deal, right? To self-manage. And the one thing that I haven't done yet though, is I haven't really expanded outside of Texas. I've only just, Kerr County is actually the only second county that I've started to invest in. Um, and it's a, it's a little bit further from my house. I mean, it's about 45 minutes, so it's not too terrible, but like I've been able to create connections here with uh, the the technicians, you know, the experts in the industry, you know, HVAC and plumbers and electricians, and to be able to make those connections to just be able to call them up, ask them to take care of something for me. They take care of it and they send me the bill. Why Kerrville? And and what's the difference between here and where you're used to investing in? Well – so Kerrville is kind of like a little bit more of personal experience that I had early on. I mean, so I've been in Kendall County my entire life. I was born and raised there. And I always liked Kerr County. I thought that was a cool place. I thought Kerrville was really cool. Big competition and playing football. And it was a lot of fun. Um, we always won against Kerrville. Hey. No big deal. Whatever. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this is the Kerrville podcast, JC. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. You know, but this, I mean, but it was it was a good competition. Um, not like Alamo Heights. Alamo Heights is not not as fun a competition. Hey. You know? So, um, anyway, uh, yeah. So I had like this this personal connection here. I think this is a value driven spot. You know, it's very, it's a linear market. I like linear. I like boring kind of like, not boring in the sense of like Kerrville is a boring. I, I love you. Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful. But, but it's not like Gillespie County, right? Like with Fredericksburg, you have these huge highs and lows and like, you know, you don't know what's up and down sometimes. And is it like, is this a huge massive bubble over there? And I love Fredericksburg, don't get me wrong, but it's just like, it's it's a little bit more risky than I want to be in. And that's kind of how 
Kendall County, to some extent, isn't as cyclical as Gillespie County, but Kendall County is just so expensive. It's it's hard to make anything work there. Yeah. And that that's kind of just that market is for the bigger players, and I'm not like, like at as that a level. small percentage of like a diversification play, um, because you, you, let's say you put all your eggs in one basket in Fredericksburg, and nothing against Fredericksburg, there are millions of dollars to be made in Fredericksburg. Yeah, but you could you could bust really quickly. Right, right, right. And I don't have that kind of coverage. Right, I yeah. don't have that equity sitting there on the sidelines ready to come in and, and, and rescue. I'm at the, the building stages of this, mm-hmm. right? You know, and like, and, uh, you know, so I have to be careful. I, I can't gamble too much. And, you know, maybe one day I get to a position to where I can, and maybe that's where all the money is at. I don't know. But from my standpoint right now, I'm, you know, kind of more of a linear guy, just, you know, slow and steady kind of wins the race. You know, I don't invest on appreciation. Uh, appreciation is a nice to have kind of thing, like the icing on the cake or the cherry on top, however you want to look at it. Um, and, you know, I've done well on a- appreciation, but it wasn't the goal. Like the goal for me, generally speaking, is yield. I think uh, Kerville's like that uh, Toyota Camry, you know, like – good or bad times it's it's reliable that's exactly it yeah there is a surplus of renters that need to get into a place in Kerrville I'm not seeing them as a monetization I'm seeing them as people that I can help and we need landlords that are helping these renters get into a position to purchase a home so they could someday build wealth and provide value to the economy that we call home Yeah. Well, even that. And so like, but even to the extent of people wanting to buy. So like Lenar, I look at the Lenar. Dude, I was going to hit on that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fantastic for Kirby. Why? Why? They're cheap, JC. They're they're cookie cutter houses, JC. Because not everybody can afford a half a million dollar house that's falling apart. Right. I mean, like, let's just call it what it is. I mean, that's just the way it, this this is a $300,000 house over there in the Lenar place. It's brand new. You have a warranty on everything. This is for people that are wanting to buy a house, and that is what Lenora is offering. Ten and I, I, I mean, I, I think from the to the extent that you know we're looking, we're taking into consideration people that are trying to get into home ownership. I think that's a brilliant move. It is for Kerrville. Let's say you go FHA, you save up six hundred dollars. Let's say you save up. $600 a month for 12 months, you're sitting at uh, $7,200. Bucks. You are ready to buy a house. Let's say you have two years of employment. You hit me up, and not just me. Hit up your realtor, whoever you vibe with. I'm not just trying to get a sell here. I'm, I'm telling you what's up. You save up for that down payment. Okay, let's say you want to do this with a $300,000 house in Kerrville. You're going to need at least seventeen grand, dude. Closing costs, everything, 3.5% down. But with these Lennar houses, my lender can't compete with that interest rate. They're like 4.5% interest. My lender's sitting around, what, 7, 8, 7, 9 right now? It's difficult. Your monthly payment with that interest rate, you're looking at 2200 bucks. Your monthly payment with the Lennar house, you're looking at $1,600, $1,700 a month. Yeah, it's not a- only that, but you, you one AC issue or one plumbing issue... 
now they have to choose between do I want to fix the AC or do I want to be able to put food on the table? That's right. It's a brand new house. Mm -hmm. You have a 10-year structure warranty. You have a two-year appliance and everything. You got a one-year, hey, this door's not closing right. Hey, you know, my, you know, one, two, 10-year warranty. I'm not selling Lennar. I'm selling you living in that house for 12 months minimum, barely unpacking your stuff. Renting that same house out for two grand, making like three or four hundred bucks a month that you just forget about putting in a bank account, while that that one year you save up for another down payment and you do it again and you are building wealth, you are now a landlord. That house is not a forever home. I don't see those as forever homes. When people ask me why I'm 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 selling these Lennar houses, I'm not selling them as forever homes. Look, I mean, and the thing is, too, John, like, you can't win with everybody. That's, I mean, there's people that totally are going to hate that idea, but, I mean... Let them like, rent, dude. Let, uh, let them rent or let them hate, but it's not even renters. I mean, there's, there's people, like we've talked about before, like legacy people that have been out here forever, and they complain about... Uh, the little boys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, you know, we're going to have this Lennar neighborhood here. Okay, wait. So do you want to sell your place for like half of what you think it's worth? They're or? making the market, dude. Yeah, right. That's why it's pissing right, these people right, off. Right, 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 yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm getting excited, dude. Yeah, no, Lenar are market makers, right? Yeah. Like that's Yeah, I mean, you know, Warren Buffett just invested a, you know, however much with them and bought a quadrillions of their shares or whatever. I don't know. Don't, you know, that's don't scary. quote me on the exact numbers. But like he understands kind of what they are doing. And the thing is, some things, you know, for the people that complain about it, it's like they want their cake and they want to eat it too, right? Like they want it all, you know? And it's like, but something's got to give. I mean, you can't just sit at the top of the the mountain and look down upon everything else as if it's not good enough. You know, I mean, like, what kind of world is that? I mean, like, talk about a very one-sided kind of like socialistic point of view, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, like, again, I'm very free market. I mean, if Lenar thinks this is a good market to build houses in at that price range, I think they're probably pretty damn smart. There's another one coming up too. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. In Kerrville. So I just think that I don't think those are forever homes. Look, I'm a country boy, and – some people, dude, save up all their lives or retirement and get a $400,000 spec home, and they love it, dude. Mm-hmm. Because some people are from Houston. Some people are from that 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 city metroplex kind of lifestyle. And, dude, that is not for me. I'd rather have an acre and a double wide or 10 acres and a nice double wide than something like that, than a million-dollar home right up next to somebody. To each his own, you know? And that's what I love about real estate, dude. It's just the, and, and I don't know everything. You know me, JC. I'm open to learning, and do we learn together? Yeah. And and I I think that um, you're, if you think you know it, if you think you know everything, you're done learning. Right. You know, and uh, I, I'm just I'm super excited about real estate. I haven't met the majority of millionaires I meet are invested in real estate are homeowners and they are not renters and and maybe i'm talking to the wrong people but you mentioned being a renter versus being an owner why would why would a millionaire be renting 
because they want their freedom to be able to go wherever they want, whenever they want. They don't want to be tied down. I mean, you know, I think Elon Musk is renting his place down in uh, South Texas or in Brownsville or something like this, I hear. Yeah. You know, and it's the, uh, the, the flexibility that it brings, right? Again, like, he's not, there's a lot of people that don't build their wealth in real estate. Just like as many that do, there's just as many that don't. And so, and I'm not even biased to anybody wanting to live anywhere. I don't discriminate at all. Like to what anybody wants to do, whether they want to live in a our home forever or just as a starter home, or if they want to be a renter their whole life, or if they want to build a house out in the country, to me, it does not matter. That's part of like the libertarian free market thing in my mind. And for all of the people, you know, that think otherwise, and you know, like all this growth and everything else, you know, like, I always think because, you know, I've got to, I travel, you know, too, for my for my other job um, that I do. And, you know, I've been to places like Kansas City in the the Midwest kind of areas. And like, you talking about no growth. I mean, you go to a place like that, and those places have really declined to some extent, or at least flatlined. And I'll tell you, like, from my experience, my little experience of being there, it's not a very desirable spot to be in, right? Like, economies are built on growth, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're built on having more kids, population, more population, more people. And it, there's always junction, you know? Like, there's always further out west yep. or wherever you want to go. I mean, like, there's a lot of land. And so... um for me, my, from my standpoint, you know, we were always taught, like, in school, I remember in, in math class, we were watching this video on exponential growth and about population. They brought population into this as probably some quasi-political bullshit, you know, that they were trying to spread at the time, but about how we were going to be out of all of our resources and blah, 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 because oh, yeah. so many people were going to kind of overpopulate the world and all, you know, bullshit, bullshit. And I believed it at the time <clears throat> come to find out you know there's all these countries around the world that are actually experiencing population decline specifically japan right and now to some extent china and that's what happens is and i'm not a scientist again like i don't know the exact numbers and mathematicians and all of this like how they all work it out but like at one point, or at some point, these countries will not exist because they don't have enough population growth to sustain the economy, right? And so it's like, be careful what you wish for, in my mind. That, that's kind of, that's my philosophy. I think with more people, there's more possibilities. That may be naive to me, but like, I think there's always opportunity. You look at like climate change and stuff like that, and it's like, Man, I mean, there there could be solutions to this. I there there are solutions. Sorry, I'm a little nasally, man. I got I was building a fence all weekend. I'm not even halfway done yet. It's like, why would you not outsource that? And why uh, why did you do it? Because I spent all my money in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was thinking of some like like philosophy answer. Well, hard man. And, <laughs> no, and no. It's just, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, yeah. Okay. When do you outsource something? When do you do it yourself, even if you know how to do it? Uh, time. So I'm building the fence with my wife. 
the kids yeah. are out there. You know, I FaceTimed you. He's out there with his BB gun and, you know, enjoying it. And so it's on the weekend. I need to sweat a little bit. I need to get some calluses on my hand. It's at my own house. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, and I'm spending time with my family and we're all enjoying it. To some extent, it's a pain in the, it's a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah. But <laughs> it's good. You know, it's good manual labor. You get to see your return on your, your labor there. And I get to look at it all the time and see the fence there that we built. And it's not the first one we've done, you know? And so, you know, with the horses and all that, they're breaking through the old fence. It's been there for like 35 years. How many horses do you have? Three. Three horses? Yeah, three. My wife is the big horse lady. I, You know, it's weird. I, <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of horses. I like them and I understand and I get it, but I'm scared of them. I don't want to ride them. I don't, because I don't know how to connect with the animal i guess and i think you have to have to some extent a little bit of that that connectivity with an animal to be able to ride it right and i don't have that my wife has it but i've i've always had horses it's the weirdest thing because my mom she liked horses but she never rode them you know but they've just always been a part of my life you know and so yeah you know like you got to respect the things that you know can kill you motorcycle Horses, guns, you have to have a certain sense of... Airplanes. Airplanes. They're all the most joy. They can bring you so much joy. Jet skis, uh, water, water. Yeah, so I don't know if I told you this. Like, I, I've crashed an airplane. What? 79286 was the tail number. What? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You've been in a plane crash? Yeah. Yeah, I was... It was my first... So It was my... <laughs> JC, what? <laughs> yeah, my first solo is April 1st. Believe it or not, April 1st. And so I call everybody, you know, my wife, I call, I was, you know, married, like, I don't know, three years. I don't remember the year, 2012, maybe 2011, 2013, something like this. You can look it up on the NTSB website, you know. What happened? So it's my first solo. I'm going from, I'm leaving from Bernie, uh, Bernie Airfield over there and, you know, off of Bernie stage. What were you in? A 172? Yeah. 182? Yeah, a, a little Cessna. Yeah, a little Cessna 172. And um, I go over to San Geronimo 8808. You know, it's the, the airport code. And I'm flying over there, like, not even thinking about much. You know, just, like, going over there. I'm going like, to land this thing over there and then take back off and come back over to... I think a Bernie stage is 5C1. I don't remember, 5 Charlie 1. Oh, my gosh. Dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I go over to, to San Geronimo. It's this fucking, it's this rinky-dink fucking airport. It's like this, you know, like, and not to make excuses, but it was a piece of shit. You know, yeah. it's like, it's not, yeah. like, it's not like the Kerrville Airport or like Bernie stage even. I mean, this is like, a, next level is dirt, right? A dirt strip. And so... I land on this thing, full flaps. I get a little bit of a crosswind coming in. I get lifted up. I come in way too hot, way too fucking hot. You were Probably, by yourself. Yeah, by myself. So. <laughs> Probably like a 90 knots or something. It should be like at 70 or whatever it is. I don't remember. I'm full flaps. The, the crosswind catches me, balloons me up into the trees, wraps it around the tree, the spar is all busted in the plane. The plane is fucking totally totaled, you know. And uh, the my uh, instructor. What about you? 
was fine. I walked out. I, I ran out because there was gas coming from the, you know, the the wings and dripping and stuff. I was like, oh shit, is this thing gonna blow up? And so I run away from the plane, go to one of the hangars. One of the guys heard, so he comes out. You know, he's over there tinkering with shit and all this stuff. I call everybody, and they're like, "Haha, funny April Fool's joke." You know, I'm like, "This is not a fucking April Fool's joke." The guy in the hangar takes the phone from me, and he's like, "No, the, this guy crashed a plane." <laughs> and so, my wife at the time was pregnant with our first with oh, Ella. Oh my gosh! Dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she was livid, and so. Uh, they, you know, my parents come to the airport, my wife's there and like, I go, I fly back. You got back into a plane, got back into a plane that my instructor was like, no, you got to fly back. So like get back into the plane, fly it. You flew it. I was left. Yeah. I was in the pilot position. Yeah. And the guy was like, okay, land here now again. And so while I was landing, he was critiquing me on all of the things that I was doing wrong, coming back into 5C1. And he was like, well, this is why you probably had this accident. You know, like, you're way too high, way too hot. Like, you need to adjust a little bit for the crosswind. And I was just overly eager. You know, I, like, I was just, like, excited to be up in the sky flying. And, you know, that happened. Yeah, but it's like one of those stories that I don't, you know, it just doesn't really resonate a lot. Why am I just finding out about this? I don't know. I mean, it was how just long one of those have we things. known each other? Almost a year. Yeah, almost. Yeah, I mean, I called you about that uh, one commercial property. This one. This one, I think. Uh, no, it wasn't this one that spurred it. it. Was the? Was it this one? We, dude, it was. Okay. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. I thought it was the BBQ place, the the joint over there by there. No, no, not the not the BBQ joint. That's where we had lunch. I met you. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. Right. yeah. 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 You're right. It was that one. Yeah. We came and saw this one. But anyway, I mean, yeah. There's, I mean, you never know when your ticket's gonna get punched. I mean, where were we going with all of this? Well, we were initially talking about population, population control. Um, yeah, I almost controlled some of the population there. But <laughs> so. still, that's that's. That goes back to, um, was it your time? Um, you know, what, what, I don't know, dude, there's a lot I wanted to talk about. I'm so excited about this podcast. And oh, I, time. Yeah. Like we we're talking about, uh, fixing things up or whatever. Right. Like yeah. I like, and I, somehow we got sidetracked on this stuff, but no, it's beautiful. That's, that's the beauty of, of a, um, platform like this. It's not like, hello, JC, how are you doing? Been an investor in Curvo, and you're like, oh, um, uh, okay, goodbye. Like, <laughs> yeah, bro, that's old school. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long uh, format, long format. Yeah, this is this is a beautiful way to introduce people to uh, businesses, people who provide value to Curvo. That's the reason you're on. You provide value to Curvo. You're going to create wealth, not just through keeping the dollar here, but also creating other people to be in your position. Teaching other people, teaching me. I think the the one thing that keeps people from entering into the market is just fear. That's everything. Yeah, it's just like the fear of the unknown. You know, where do I start? What if I fail? And it's not even so much about 
what if I fail, I think is like, where do I even start? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, but now we have Google, right. And so you just Google this stuff and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, like depending on how bad you want it, you can make anything kind of happen. Right. That's right. But you know what my problem is? Analysis paralysis. And then I'll just save my money and lose value to interest or, or, uh, inflation and, and, I'm not like flexing or anything, but you're like, John, just go. I, I've brought you a couple of deals. Like, should I, should I? You're like, just do it. Just do it. And I have that same thing, dude, taking that leap. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, I know we weren't, we were talking about how it wasn't totally monetary. And to some extent, I mean, that is true, right? But from the the investment standpoint to get into it, I mean, like if the thing cash flows, if you can cover your expenses, just you know, try it out. Get into it. I mean, if if it's going to cover and you see some room for upside potential and you don't see too many pitfalls of it being, you know, too old of a property or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's just it's simple math. It's not something to get totally paralyzed by. And, it, it, and if it does paralyze you, it's probably not something you should be involved in. Mm. It's over your scope of ability. What about people... Um, in my position that don't have somebody like you or are not even in the real estate world, dude, I am a real estate professional and I'm still scared. I'm I, still nervous. Yeah, but, I mean, let me just, I'm not, not scared, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's still a risk. Like everything is a risk to some extent. I mean, being alive and breathing is a risk. Mm. You know, I, I mean, you breathe in the wrong fucking dust or something. And then all of a sudden you get some <laughs> dust born amoeba and then you oh die. Oh my gosh. You know, and these are the, but you know, as you know, John, I've had very close experiences in my life where I have lost to very freak accidents, you know? And so like that, I mean, that's just the risk you take living your life period. And so the whole like playing it safe mentality, I mean, there are people that are always going to play it safe and not, and and that's, and we need a world that has people that play it safe, right? Like, and we need people that take more risks. But I mean, I would say that if you're on the jumping off point, the idea of like risks versus no risk, I would say, don't fool yourself. There's always risk in anything and everything that you do. And so, with that said, again, if you're like on that jumping off spot, you know, and if you have a good calculated feeling about it, then do it. I know I was adding a little comic relief in there about about you talking about, you know, we, we're just like one step away. We're just one breath away. And then it also makes me realize that all of these hard times, dude, I have not met one genuine prominent person who hasn't been through this shit i haven't met one real real person who hasn't who hasn't truly experienced hardship why does somebody have to go through that to become the genuine person like why can't you just have a genuine person that hasn't gone through all that crap yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's really a question for God, I guess, but <laughs> to, to some extent. But I mean, you look at the Bible, like, you know, you look at, I know Job is Old Testament, but you, you look at Saul, which is Paul, you mm-hmm. know, and then you look at all these people in the Bible, all these disciples, apostles, 
prophets, all these guys. I mean, these guys were in today's terms. I mean, they were like manic depressant, you know, like crazy guys. I mean, borderline, probably personality disorder, you know, um, except for, you know, like I know I threw Job in there. I don't think he really <laughs> seemed to have too many no. uh, character defects. Why do you think you he know? didn't commit suicide and just end it all? I, I mean, I think he really, truly believed in God, obviously, you know, and he like, did. yeah, and, and he was, you know, rewarded for his faith. Mm. And I think that, you know, if I were to talk for God, <laughs> but to answer your question, the reason that people have to go through that kind of stuff is to distinguish the good from the bad, right? And to realize that, like, you know, just as real as God, as I believe God is real, I also believe the devil is real. And I think, you know, the devil can get a hold of people. And I think the devil does get a hold of people. And I think, you know, God is just like, hey, remember, there's salvation in me. You know, if, if you have faith in me, regardless of what it is that you're going through, like, I will get you back to where you need to be. You're the first person I ever met that is like, dude, I got a relationship with God. I talk to him just like I talk to you. And, you know, I, I, when I was a Catholic, I thought my relationship, not nothing against Catholics, dude. There's a giant chunk of the population that is Catholic. But my relationship with God was... You know, going to church as a kid, kneel down, stand up, put your left foot in. You know, it was a scary, you know, like environment for me, dude. Like I was just like, like church was scary. But yeah, especially Catholicism. I mean, like I am a semi-practicing Catholic myself. I mean, I say semi because like, you know, I've only gone to just, you know, I just went to adoration for the first time in a long time, like a couple of weeks ago or a week ago and stuff like that. And like, I don't confess as often as I should and, and everything else like that. And yes, I can see Catholicism being a very scary religion to a lot of people, especially for people that don't like to follow rules. Like I don't like to follow rules and, you know, Catholicism, very tradition based organized religion um, that does have a lot of rules Right. And so a lot of rules. Yeah. And, you know, the penance and all and, and, you know, uh, the all of the different sacraments and everything else that's involved in being a Catholic. I mean, it's it's not, I would say, um, for, you know, people that question a lot. With that said, I mean, you know, I have my own understanding of God. And to, to be totally candid, I mean, I I am more practicing in my Catholic faith now, f- really for my kids, you know, more than for myself. Not that I claim to know more about God or anything like that, because I I certainly don't. Like I know like a thimbleful about God, if that, if you know, if I'm lucky enough to say that, right? And so I do it for like a base for my kids foundation. Yeah. A foundation. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I feel like I'm kind of torn between being like a Jew and a Catholic. Why? Because I mean, they're richer. (laughs) (laughs) 
day. No, no. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, you know, I love the Jews. They're great people. I mean, I think they're fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, and I think Catholics are great and, and Protestants too. I mean, I, I love them all. I and, mean, you know, I have, uh, I have a handful of Muslim friends and stuff like that. And they're all very interesting, you know, but I, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, no, for sure. I believe everything that this religion yeah, or, fall into right. a slot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which, hard for me which, too. Which a lot of people can do, and I honestly kind of envy that. Like, I kind of envy the fact that people can do that. I mean, for me, it's a little bit more challenging. It's a little bit more complicated because, you know, to the extent that like Jesus is my savior, you know, like geez, I mean, there's a lot of shit that I haven't felt saved from, you know, unless I return back to God and I go straight to God. That's just me personally. Like, and you know, but to the extent that we're talking about Catholicism, I also appreciate the idea of Mary. I appreciate the idea of all the saints and all of the angels. I believe in angels. I believe in saints. Um, and obviously Jesus was a real guy, mm-hmm. you know, but as, as far as being the Messiah, that is a hard thing for me to 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 actually fall in line with mm-hmm. you know and like hopefully father isn't listening to me because <laughs> i might be excommunicated but you know these are just honest conversations that i like that because they're controversial conversations yeah it's highly controversial but, but like why are we not supposed to even question well yeah it's like that that thing it's like don't ever talk about religion or politics at the dinner table it's like well fuck that what else are we going to fucking talk exactly. about we're I all mean, like, in the same mindset the same line yeah i mean and the thing is i you know it's just like well how easily offended do you get because mm-hmm. like if that's you get, very important no, go yeah. ahead i'm getting excited go ahead i mean well it's just like if you get easily offended by these things then it's really probably some self-introspective stuff that you need to, to, to look at internally about yourself rather than the person that's talking to you critically about these things and questioning yeah. all of this. I think it's so important to be around diversity with ideas and not just be offended and triggered and just scream to opposition. I believe that um, it's healthy even to discuss a topic with somebody who's completely on the other side, because during that conversation, you'll realize how much you truly have in common and how, how similar your lifestyles are, except for that one little thing. And if you just talk about it instead of scream about it, you'll learn so much more about the other side. I also, so going back, there was a couple of pinpoints. I was like, man, 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 that's good stuff. Good stuff, dude. I, I think, um, so my opinion on it, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but dude, I'm not falling into this divot, that divot, that divot, that divot. What I do know and what I do believe is that there was Jesus on the cross, but there was two other dudes. And they were both, dude, none of them ever tithed. None of them were, bur- they were both bur- burglars. They both did some raunchy stuff in their life. They were both up there because they were no good dudes but one of them said one of them was just cussing. The other one was like, "Look, I'm pissed to be up here, but when you do get to your kingdom, remember me." And the fact that he just believed, Jesus was like, "Dude, you're coming with me. Like, 
something like that. He said something to that extent. He's like, yeah. when, when I'm there, you're going to be there. I'll see you there. Dude, that guy didn't tithe. That, di- that guy didn't do the kneel down, get up, put your left foot in. He just accepted. He just knew. And it just makes me wonder how much of human is put into these religions and how much of it is truly just do good for your fellow man. Like, how, how are you going to monetize off? Dude, I'm, I just, bro, I've been put off of church so many times. Like, I, and, I'm, and I'm doing it for the same reasons. I'm like, look, I want my daughter and my son to fall back on a foundation instead of alcohol like I did. Well, they're guardrails. Yeah. That, that, that's all it is. Like, I mean, the, this religion business, in my, in my opinion, are guardrails set up to help society live a well-balanced life. I mean, like, in the most simplest forms, like, without overcomplicating things. I mean, that, that's what it's for. The intentions are good, right? But you know what the road to hell is paved in, right? Good yeah. intentions. You know, and so everything has to be <laughs> very, very carefully kind of, in my opinion, looked at and kind of analyzed because... You know, next thing you know, you, you know, might be getting screwed by one of these self-righteous religious people. Mm. Which happens all the time, dude. Yeah. And it goes back to the the fact that we're talking about landlords. I mean, there are bad apples in everything. I I had two epiphanies. The road to hell and then, dude, um, love you to death. Those were two epiphanies during this conversation that, you know... That I'm gonna, I learned from. I'm gonna, I'm gonna carry with me. That's that's good stuff, dude. How, you know what sucks, dude? Is conversations like this is they're rare now. They're rare, dude. Yeah. Even for me, I have my face stuck in the damn phone, because on the laptop, on the phone. People identify with these belief systems, and they they make that who they are, right? Like so. I don't just believe I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking in generalities no. here, but like I am I don't just believe in Catholicism. I am Catholicism or I am Catholic. It's like okay. That I mean that's a great idea. You know, it, it but like when you get when I've been too attached to an idea, that's when things really start to my life starts to spiral a little bit out of control. Just that's been, been my Why? personal experience. Why? Because, I mean, the, things are always changing, right? And like the way I believe that God works in my life, it, it's always changing and it's always dynamic. And again, the devil is always in there trying to to take over, right? And I think... To some extent, you know, the devil could be this this guy that's making me want to get comfortable, right? And like wanting me to identify in only one thing and really not looking at other people's opinions or other people's thoughts. I mean, that in itself could be the work of the devil, right? I mean, like the, the idea that I'm only going to be locked into one thing and that I can't change the, my belief systems bs you're sold right you're sold that is the very thing that prevents me from buying into anything jc 
is because I am a professional salesman. Yeah. I know what I'm doing in yeah. each and every conversation. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know when I'm talking to somebody. I don't I don't do anything for for somebody who doesn't finance me, feed me or make love to me. <laughs> <laughs> I I have I have my goals in mind. And I know dude, I don't waste my time. I I strategize and it all like I read I read this book often it's called how to win friends and influence people and when you truly understand the art of conversation um you can monetize off of it you can better your life you can better other people's lives you can focus on value and and you just structure it all around conversation and not just the conversation but you live by your words and, and and you truly follow through with what you say and that's difficult in itself but with all that being said, dude, I don't want to fall into any divot. I don't want to be sold. So I'm a salesman. I know when I'm being sold. I don't like being sold. Nobody likes being sold. But, dude, I don't want to be, and I was, dude. I was I was just, this is what I am. I'm right, right wing. And don't get me wrong, dude. I'm still very conservative, you know. And we talk about this all the time. But... I used to go and look. How do you feel about this topic, John? Well, hang on. I used to go and see what my party thought about it. Well, this is how I feel about it, JC. And I didn't want to do that with religion. I don't want to do that with how I father my children. I don't want to do that with any aspect, finances, whatever, dude. I don't want to be sold onto anything. I want to make up my own mind, and I want to learn and grow. Because like I said earlier, once you think you know it all, you don't grow anymore. Same with once I fell into this divot, this divot has all my answers and I don't need to learn anymore. I will learn as much as possible about that divot and other divots and make up my own decision, but I don't want to be sucked into anything. I don't want to be subscribed to anything. I I want to, uh, I don't know if I'm making any sense, dude. No, yeah, you are. You're, yeah, I mean, I think you're like, you're saying what I, you know, the same thing that I'm kind of saying, you know, like, it's like, I mean, for me, it's one word, it's the ability to have willingness, you know, a willingness to listen, a willingness to learn, a willingness to love, like a willingness to try something new and different, and be open minded to what other people have to say or what they think and, and, you know, and, and have an open conversation, open conversation with those people. I mean, I was, there was a time in my life where I was completely unwilling to do anything different. And I'm just, from my experience, like I always came up against obstacles and that, and that belief and that belief system that I had. And to my detriment, I mean, you know, just a couple of times I woke up in fucking jail because that's the way I thought, you know, like I woke up in Kerr County jail before, you know, and like I've been given the grace of God, you know, in my life to change my life and to break away from that darker energy. You know, like I've been given that, that opportunity. Some people aren't, I don't, you know, I, I don't know 
why some people break away and some people don't. And I'm always susceptible to getting sucked back in. Wait, and you, you didn't arrive? I didn't arrive. No, I'm not like reborn. Have you ever you know, arrived? Any? Have you ever? You, by arrived, you know what I mean. It's like you didn't arrive. I'm saved. I'm, yeah. You know, because you brought it up. I, I've been careful about what I talk about with you. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't want to like give too much information about, you know, where you live, who you are, you know, but you have, how many doors do you have? Nine. You have nine doors. What excuse does somebody, dude, I've been to jail too. And I've said this on, on here. I drank way too much. And, yeah. and dude, PIs, DWIs, you like, I didn't go out and like steal anything or, you know, whatever, but I drank way too much. I, I could have been the victim. So could have you. And we could have not been in real estate. We could have not, you know, been good dads. We could have not had our families, but why, like people out there listening, being like, dude, I can't, I'm not going to, I can't, I can't do what he's doing. I can't have nine doors because, you know, I've been to jail. I've, I've had a hard life. What do you say to those people? I mean, just quit being the victim. And it, I know it's easy for me to say that, but I mean, I've been the victim. You know, I've been the victim. And again, I mean, that's part of that that darker energy spirit for me. I, for me, it's like there's a, there's a lot of dimensions to life. You know, and I understand that we live in a 3D world, but there's there's another dimension that I have found. And, you know, again, I believe only by the grace of God that I found that dimension. And, you know, when you're stuck in a 3D world, it's really hard in my, my experience to not fall in that trap of being the victim. You know, and like, pour me, pour me, pour me another fucking drink mm. kind of mentality. You know, and like, you know, I, I'm an alcoholic. I mean, I, in Me recovery, too. you know, like I haven't drank in, uh, you know, six and a half years. I haven't done any drugs except for nicotine and caffeine, mm. you know, and then occasionally like a Tylenol or whatever yeah. when I need it. But I mean, I self-medicated. I, you know, smoked pot every single day. Like I drank all the time and, you know, my life really was falling apart and, um, you know, since then, life has been a lot different for me. And not, and that that's the other thing too, right? Like, not in a good way or a bad way. Like, there's been many, many bad things that have happened to me in sobriety. And, but my perspective and my outlook has changed. You know, and that's one of the, the things that I, that I appreciate from my experience is that I used to think a different way. And now today I don't think that way anymore. Only by the grace of God. Again, I know I keep on saying that, but like that I haven't done any of this except for again, having the willingness to give my life over to the care of him. After your sobriety and I'm not even dude, you have been through things that most people would would maybe not even be sitting here still. So after your sobriety, the hardships that you've been through, how did you not fall off, dude? Um, my, my, my brother passed after I got sober. 
had I not promised him on his deathbed, this is the first time I'm saying this here, had I not promised him on his deathbed that I would remain sober and he saved my life, um, dude, I would have, bro, I, I don't, I, I'd still be drinking. If I, if I was alive, I'd still be drinking today. How did you not fall off? I get, I mean, not digging into your, what, what happened, but what I'm saying is how, like what, what, why, why did you not fall off again? Because I gave it up to God. I mean, and I look at Job and I look at all the the other guys in the Bible and I'm like, if they can do it, why can't I do it? You know, like Mm. instead of having that victim mentality, I mean, like I have full faith, you know, and and I mean, just to give some context to to what I've gone through, because you've kind of talked a little bit about it. But I mean, so I have, you know, I, I've, I've been married, I've been divorced, I remarried the same woman, thank God, you know, and, you know, it was back in my drinking and drugging days, and she had every right to leave me and, and not want to be with me. And I, again, she she understood, you know, the what I told you about loving somebody to death, and she realized that she couldn't do anything for me because she didn't have that kind of power. And, you know, she uh, grew up with other alcoholics in her life. And so she was she was born with that understanding, right? Like that she had that lack of control that we all have, mm. um, that some of us admit and some of us don't. And some of us have it worse than others. And so, you know, I can happily say now we've been married for 13 years. And it's been great. And we have four children. And Ella, and, you know, I'm not going to say all their names, but, like. I got you, dude. Yeah, and uh, they're fantastic. And then um, in my sobriety, though, like, my wife and I woke up one day and we went up to my daughter's room and we, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't awake, you know, and she wasn't going to wake up. And, uh that was the most challenging day of my life and this all happened in sobriety and i you know to be honest with you i i did have i did lose my faith that i thought that i had in god right at that at that time but i've been able to to come back from that and realize that like you know just because that happened doesn't mean that god you know put his finger down and you know, decided to make that happen. You know, it was a total fluke thing. It was a sepsis, you know, that caused this death that we had no idea about. And these things happen, right? I mean, this is just life. This is just life. And, you know, my wife and I and our surviving kids could, you know, be on the the, the sorry for us train and pour me, pour me another drink train. But like, again, I've already been there. I've done that. And there is no salvation in that for me. You know, there's absolutely nothing there for me. Uh, you know, and I, you know, and I've felt that the darker spirits trying to pull me back into that, but that's not where you know God wants me to be today. You know, and and I can I can't say that He may not want me back there tomorrow or like whatever. Or you know, something bad may not happen again, but. Um, you know, I wouldn't bet the world on it. I mean, life just happens, right? And uh, it's like, 
the acceptance, willingness and acceptance, I guess are my two favorite words, <laughs> but the acceptance to live life on life's terms, however God sees fit for me, is what I have to be willing to do. And the thing is, is that like a lot of people, they have this idea that like God, you know, you're going to have this great, wonderful life. Bullshit. You know, like that's not necessarily the case. You know, there's a lot of trials and tribulations that a lot of people experience, you know, and it's that intuition, I think, and you, you know, you look at like Noah and he had this intuition that like things are going to get bad. We need to build a fucking boat here and like we need to get ready and prepare for this and and put all of our faith in the, into this God because things may not get good here. That things actually might get a lot worse. And so, but he's going to give you the tools, you see, I think. But it's not easy. Like the path, I think gets narrower and it gets more difficult to some extent. And like, I always have to remember that and I can't rest on my laurels. I have to always be seeking, you know, what he wants me to do. And, and the hardest and the darkest times is I think, you know, those have been gifts to be really, really close to him because the other alternative to that is a totally fucked up life and a life that I don't want to live anymore. And, you know, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's such a trite thing to say, but it's just life. But when you understand that, like, you're living God's way, or at least you're trying to, whatever that may be, because I, I don't claim to know, but whenever you think that you're doing that and you feel in alignment, like, things tend to happen, you know, you, good or bad, like, you can roll with it. You know, you can roll with it. But I don't want to get that confused with, like, just because you seek, things are going to be good. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest fallacies. You know, it's like, well, and, you know, there's a lot of times where I try to get sober before, and I was like, oh, man, fucking life still sucks. Well, like, it it doesn't suck. It's just, like, it is what it is. And it's a full acceptance. Like, it's like... Good and bad is like a made up kind of term in our society. It's like, what is good and what is bad? I don't really know, right? Like, there isn't a good and a bad. It's just the way, you know? And like, there's just one truth, you know? And like, this is the truth. I think we all have like, you know, you've heard that story about like the elephant in the room and everybody's like blind or blindfolded, however the fucking aversion goes. And like, they're all touching a different part of the elephant and they all have a different perspective on what that elephant is. But the truth of the fucking matter is there's just one big fucking elephant in the room, you know? And I think, you know, that's what makes life interesting is the perspective and the opinions and all of that. And like, it's kind of fun to talk about that and like theorize and be all philosophical, like to the extent that we're doing it now. And, that's fun. And that's what makes life interesting. And we don't have it figured out and we're never going to have it figured out. But, you know, like I would just, my suggestion is, is like, it, it's not a good or a bad thing. It just is what it is. And the quicker you can accept that, you know, the better off you'll be. I've heard old men speak and I've heard old men that still haven't figured out what you have, even though 
I, I just had my third epiphany on here that usually it takes me years to come across. And that shows you the value of a true conversation. But I've heard old men talk and still ask the same questions that you have answers to. Not just you, but you truly put your money where your mouth is and give it to God in the hardest of situations. My biggest fear is losing Kaylee. That's my daughter. I've, and, and I've, I've been a coward about it. And I've told my wife, even if she ain't here, I ain't here. I'm sorry. And dude, I, I, I don't have the faith that you do. And I don't, I, I really don't. I lost my faith when my brother passed, dude, that, that was, I, yeah, I did lose my faith, but bro, I don't know if I could have done what you did and, and what you do every day. You know, there's people that look at you going back to the old man thing. What you just said on that three minutes is something that people live their whole lives, men and women, and they never, never figure it out. That perspective and that view of life is, is something that from this moment forward, I will try to not achieve a destination, but achieve a certain mindset. And, and I, dude, I hope our listeners, um, have that same epiphany and, and just try for one day to just have, uh, um, adopt that mindset and see what it does to their day and their lives. You, you don't, I'm not saying you have it all figured out, but you truly, you truly live the, the way a follower should. Um, I, I, I admire you, dude, not as just my friend or my client. Um, I'm just, I'm so happy to know you. I really mean that. I may even, uh, edit this mushy shit out of here, but, but I mean it. I'm, I'm honored to know you, JC. And I learn from you. I learn from you as, as our relationship goes on, man. Yeah. I appreciate that, John. I mean, and you know, just to put a caveat on all what you said, I appreciate it, but I don't have much of anything figured out. I mean, I learn, you know, more from my three-year-old than I do from other people. I, you know, I learn more from the guy that's just, you know, walking and deciding that he wants to stop drinking than I do from people that haven't had a drink in 50 years, you know, and, and it's just, you know, Again, God puts people in things and situations in people's lives. It it doesn't, there is no discrimination about age or like experience or anything like this. Like, it's just, are you listening kind of? And are you awake to what's going on? You know, like, are you in tune? You know, that those are just the things that I ask myself. And like, all that be said, like, I don't know if I want to be sober tomorrow. You know, I don't know what the future holds. I have no idea. You know, like, I pray that, you know, I stay on the good path. And I pray that, you know, I I still fall in line. And, I, you know, I I can obey, you know, God's way for me. Um, but, you know, I have no idea. How do you right? say that, though? Been, been through what you have been through. How do you not know you will be sober tomorrow? 
I mean, because, I mean, there was times when I was, I thought the same thing, you know, if I lost a child, like, all bets are off, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I want. You know, but, like, but then you go back to Job, and it's like, well, he lost everything, right? All of his kids. He had to scrape the, his skin off in the ashes, and, you know, like, I mean, there's, it can get worse, right? It can always get worse. <laughs> and And I say that, you know, only from the perspective of, you know, understanding, I guess, the thimble amount that I do about God, that he has all power. And so, like, I just have to be ready for whatever it is that he wants me to do. And so, like, but to the extent that, like, I'm only human and I may fail and I will fail, you know, and, but hopefully I don't fail so much that I want to go back out and drink. Or that I don't, that like I don't totally give my life back over to that dark energy, you know. Like it again, like you know, it's just I'm saying the same thing over and over, but it's just you know, fall, falling into that grace, you know, that 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 you know, willingness to surrender to win everything. You know? How old are you, JC? Uh, I'm. 34, 34, 34 years old, 34. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I admire uh, your wisdom and this goes back to what I said earlier. The real people, real people, not just, hello, I'm on here today. I am a trust fund baby and I invested in this company and I'm here today. And Oh, I got drunk once when I was, no, you have been through it, dude. You have been through it. And, you know, God only knows what your mindset is like through the day, you know, what kind of, what kind of, uh, emotions you encounter, but you are genuine and you, your experiences have created who you are. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about genuine people have been through some shit. Yeah. Navy SEALs went yeah. through buds. Why are they elite? Why are they the top dogs because they went through the hardest thing and i feel like it's the same way with people man i really do and you know it is it just it, it goes back to that i didn't want to keep you all day jc um i'd be honored to have you as a reoccurring guest and we could talk about all kinds of different topics dude the market- we can't end on that john no dude I'm, we're not i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna ask you well i just can I can I can I talk give me, about like give me the, your the juice, financing bro. part of this deal to like help talk people bring me. it to reality, right? Talk like, to me, dude. So I mean, you know, so how do you get the money, right? Like to get into the game or whatever, you know, like it could be a million different ways, you know, like and then how do you get the funding? And so, so there's a lot of people. It's like well, nobody's ever going to give me the money. To buy an investment property. 18 years old, working at McDonald's, what do you do? Okay. <laughs> so you're going to need to save some at that point. You know, like you're going to need to save some. And let's just run with that. So you're 18, you're working at McDonald's. Um, I, you know, depending on if you desire this, right? And like you're falling in line with what you want and what uh, what the universe wants for you. I would suggest you work as hard as you can to become a manager, maybe of McDonald's, you know, work your way up, maybe find another job that pays you more, save up as much as you can. 
in that case, you could do it one of two ways or multiple ways, but two ways that come to my mind are you either buy a house for yourself, you know, once you've worked up to like, a, just say a manager, you, you're start, you started at 18, you're just at the checkout window and then you work your way up to the manager. I don't know how much they make, but I'm, I'm assuming they make enough money to afford a house somewhere, you know, maybe it's like a Lenore home, something like this or a duplex. And I would opt for the duplex example. You buy a duplex. What about the lifestyle while they're working there? How do they save up? Where do they live? And I have an answer to that. But where would you live if you wanted to sacrifice and save up for a down payment? I would rent. I mean, that's me personally. You would rent? Yeah, I would. You know what I would do? What? I would live where I was living in high school. Had I had... I had if you have choice, the opportunity. Yeah. I'd say... And that's what I'm going to give. With your parents. Yes, dude. That's what I'm going to give my kids. Yeah. The, well, first of all, we're, we're, I have a plan for them financially. But let's say those kids who don't. Mom and dad, please just give me 12 months, 12 more months of saving up for a down payment. Dude, live below your means. Fuck your friends. Fuck your whatever they're thinking about your car. Excuse my language, everybody. Whatever they're thinking about your lifestyle, your car, they're not going to be there to give you your down payment. You want to talk shit about my car? Give me, give me your down payment, dude. I would live back with my parents and sacrifice that whole time so I don't have to do it when I'm 30 years old. Yeah, let's let's caveat this for a second, John. Let's assume we're talking to the folks, some of the listeners that want to do this, right? Like we're not talking about the people that are okay being at the the checkout window at McDonald's. Yeah. Like we're not talking about those people, right? Like in which we need, right? Like we need people to do that and you know, be the best floor sweepers. As a matter of fact, my grandfather, he used to tell me, I don't care what you do, just be the best at whatever it is you do. And he would, he would always refer to me being a floor sweeper. I don't, I guess he didn't think much of me now. I mean, just kidding. That's just a joke. He's dead now. He's dead now, but he had, we, I, I always used to watch Bill O'Reilly with him, the O'Reilly factor. Yeah, the Remember the O'Reilly, O'Reilly factor? Yes, I do. Yeah. Great. And then, you know, that's a whole other topic all fucked up and you know poor tucker man what a dude my boy uh anyway so like we just lost like 50 percent of the list just dude kidding. i don't care <laughs> dude him. tucker's my uh, boy dude so anyway like i mean and i i i believe that philosophy i mean if you want to be a fucking floor sweeper there's absolutely nothing wrong with that nothing but be the best you can be you know like be the best floor sweeper you can fucking be that's it you know, and I, I've lived by that. So just with that caveat, now we skip up, you know, we X out the people that don't want this, right? Like that don't want to own a house or they don't want to be a landlord, right? Like forgetting that segment of the market for now, because maybe those people want to build a widget or some other kind of fucking value mm. or, and, or maybe they, they're, they're very content in that life. You know, and they're very happy there. So, xing that out. Yes, I agree with you. Like, if you can, if you have that opportunity to continue to live with your parents or your folks or whatever, like, yes, I mean, by all means, right? But a very popular way of doing this and getting involved in it is the first house you purchase is a duplex because you can do that still FHA. You know, Fannie Fred. 
yeah, Fanny, Freddie still support that. And they like, and that's a fantastic way to do it. Right. And then you get a tenant, they subsidize your mortgage, you know, you're living for free. And then what you do from there, you build up some equity. You're, you're still working. This is not like, I have a job. Right, like I'm not a full time investor. Oh, I yeah, like yeah. Nine Doors isn't gonna cut it, you know. Like I'm a small, I'm a little fucking minnow, like in the ocean. Dude, I, you know, you, you say know? that, but I aspire to be. Yes, I appreciate that. that. I just want to get like, I you're not gonna buy a couple of doors and retire, right? Like maybe one day, you know. And like I have plans and but you know god while i'm saying that right now is fucking laughing at me for even mentioning the fact that i have fucking <laughs> plans he doesn't give a fuck about my plans you know and rightfully so i mean he shouldn't and so because <laughs> my plans are probably bad fucking plans anyway and so uh anyway like the the duplex method is a tried and true method every a million people have done that you know and that's the way to do it. It's the most glamorous fucking thing at the beginning. None of it is glamorous. None of it is glamorous. I mean, like, it, you know, it's just like, it's hard work and it's sacrifice and it's doing things that you don't ideally, it's not instant gratification. And it like, I would also weed out the people that want instant gratification. This is not the business to be in. Like. I'm a low and slow. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Like. At least that's my philosophy. Have there been people that have made instant returns on appreciation? Yes, probably. You got in a great time too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, you know, luck or whatever you want to call it along the way. And there's bad fortune. There's good fortune. Whatever, whatever you want to call it, or you know, God's plan, or what the energies of the universe and all this stuff that are working for or against you but really you know it goes back to what we were talking about earlier yeah jumping and the acceptance of like you know it is what it is kind of thing going back to the burr method burr yeah that's what i kind of do yeah but you can do this as as a starter so yeah uh house hacking duplex let's say you so yeah so you get the duplex you go out you find another one Maybe it's a little run. So, but you're like, okay, well, how do I get the other one? Okay, so you've built up some equity in this new place. Maybe you fixed it on the weekends. You know, you've spent some time uh, fixing up your side and the t- the the tenant side, right? You maybe you had to put a new roof on it and you know remodeled some of the bathrooms and blah 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 bullshit. You know, whatever it is that you did, mm-hmm. and you know you've lived in it a couple of years. Now it's time to see on the appreciation side of things, if you've built like your equity. Mm -hmm. So you're going to, you want to get the equity back out, right? You don't want like, this sounds really counterintuitive, but one of the ways that I do it is with leverage. I don't, I don't go out and buy these things cash, even though, you know, like we've had some experience doing that, but like Mm -hmm. the goal really is to, to get the cash back out of the property. Yeah, and use right? that the towards the down payment. And so you're levering. And so there, it's a multifaceted thing. There's many investors involved in what I, you know, like there's investors that only want the yield from the mortgage, right? And so like I go out and find those guys and you can Google DSCR loans, debt service coverage ratio loans, right? And so essentially what that is, is, is it's just like 
can you pay back your mortgage, taxes and insurance and and uh, uh, interest in principal, or you can do options that don't have principal. It's IO, interest only, for 10 years, 30-year fixed. And then you take the equity out of this first duplex that you have. So say just like simple math, you bought it for a hundred thousand and then you put down 30% or FHA, maybe it's 3%, right? So 3000 bucks, you know, plus closing, maybe it was 7,000. My first house I bought, I like wrote a check for like $8,000, you know, in 2011, there was a FHA three and a half percent, you know, kind of deal. And, People are like, you need a hundred thousand at least to buy a house. It's like, no, you know, I mean, like FHA. There's all these other, you know, in government-backed programs, right? Yeah. That have really driven. So it's, in are they right or wrong? Like fundamentally, to me, they're 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 wrong. But that's also been the reason why they are so out of touch. You know, like home prices have become out of touch because of the inflation of government-supported programs. Right. Like really thinking about this full funnel, like the reason home prices have gotten so expensive, I blame a lot of it on subsidization of government backed support, you know, but since this is the game that we're in, just play the game. Right. And so we have no choice. So you go out, you find you get you bought the place for one hundred thousand. Now it's worth one hundred and twenty, one hundred and fifty, whatever. Right. And then so you you take the equity out of the deal, whatever it is. Maybe you can collect $20,000 or $50,000. This is just theoretical math, right? You, you roll the money out. You go and you buy another one. And then all of a sudden, you have the ball is rolling. The ball is rolling. And then, you know, whenever you want to stop, you can stop. And then... If you want to sell, you can sell, or like you can have different plans of what but you want JC, to do. But like that's. But you're in debt. Debt is scary, JC. Yes, that is you know one of those things. But it's a tool, right? So money is debt, you know. But what about Dave Ramsey? My boy Dave Ramsey told me not to go into debt, JC. Yeah, well, I mean that's one way to go about it. You know, it's just like I'm. I like to enjoy life a little bit. You know, like. I, I do like to go out to eat every once in a while. I'm I, joking, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I again, I don't think there's any... That's definitely an option. That's just not my experience Dude. with that. And so like, I can only talk to the experience that I've had. And I've used debt as a tool to help me grow. And so like, it's not like credit card debt. That's what my boy Robert Kiyosaki told me. Good debt, bad debt. Yeah, good debt, you know? bad debt. Right, right, he's, right. He's in... He's in millions and millions and millions of dollars in debt. Right, But right. he's also living very, very well. And I don't like taxes, really. I mean, I, dear IRS, I do pay my taxes <laughs> and I do all that stuff. But, like, I mean, so when you use debt, though, you don't generally have to pay a lot of tax. So when you do this cash-out refi, you don't pay a tax on it because it's debt, right? Like... It's not a capital gain. You kept the property. It's the game. Yeah, it's a game. It's a big game. Yeah, it's a game. It's a game. It's a game. And, and if you got a good CPA on your side, so you don't have to do all the studying, and yeah. you know, you just 
you find those tax breaks and, and you just work the system, work the game, dude. You got to learn the game, work the game, find somebody who knows the game, find a, get you a mentor, even though he's like damn near your age. Uh, well, here's the other thing. So I'll give a shout out to the people that I've learned a lot from on podcasts. Yeah. So like Robert Kiyosaki is one of them. I've read his book like four times. One of it, I don't know how many books he has, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like, I've read that cover to cover several several times. That's your basic getting out of your nine to five book. Yeah, yeah, it's like that's your oh oh my gosh your epiphany yeah of money but way different than Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Okay, like I used Dave Ramsey at one point yeah. in my life. I needed him, and there's nothing wrong with Dave Ramsey. Okay, like because again going back to what I said earlier, not everybody wants to do this. Yeah, right, and so like some people are totally happy, like you know, owning their home free and clear. And, uh, you know, buying cars in cash and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but let me just explain the mathematics behind doing that, especially out of this, like, nearly free money that we've come out of mm. uh, for the last decade and a half or so. When you buy something in cash, you know, and the interest rate is only... 3% and inflation is from what the government says was like running at 2%. You're paying a real interest rate of 1%. You see how that math works, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, um, but that again, the 2% is what the government number is. And I don't think the government number is very accurate. So like say inflation was really 4% during that time. Like you are getting paid to borrow money. Because your money that you borrowed, that you used to buy an asset, like a house that generates revenue. That is appreciating. Potentially appreciating. Or at least keeping up with inflation. Nominal. Yeah, like... Uh, not in, losing value. In nominal terms, right? It may not actually be going up in real terms, which is... So nominal is like the number, and then real terms is like the number compared to money, and money as in like gold, not money as in like fiat money, like which is, I guess, currency technically, right? There's a lot of like little things that I've learned over the times. I didn't learn this all overnight and I'm not the expert in explaining it. But so Robert Kiyosaki, listening to him, his podcast, a lot of people totally disagree with him, thinks he's an asshole, whatever. But like, I think he's just brutally honest and he's just like, he really sees it for what it is. He's got a game. I'm, I don't. I don't have it. I don't own it or anything. But like the cash flow game, I want it. My understanding is it's kind of like Monopoly. Well, it teaches. It's supposed to teach kids the basics. Dude. Yeah, Jason Hartman. Jason Hartman. You yeah, introduced yeah, yeah. me to Jason Hartman. Yeah, that that podcast is great. Like uh, creating wealth. Mm -hmm. I think I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, it's creating wealth. It's a blue logo with a star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with his face on it, right? I think yeah, it's that's Jason Hartman. Well, yeah, my phone out there. And he, and he can explain all of it. He's got all these trademark like inflation induced debt destruction, which is his trademark. Not like I didn't come up with that. A lot of you know, like that's his thing that he talks about on that podcast but it's a fascinating idea and then he always talks about compared to what you know again this is jason hartman's little things that he talks about this is i'm not taking credit for this at all but i've learned a lot from these guys right like these guys are 
they they genuinely want to help people get to financial freedom. Like that's their goal. They like they're trying to get people out of the rat race for those that want to. Do you realize okay, the ability we have right now to learn, bro. Dude, the guys back in the day used to be, oh, Wealth Magazine. Oh, I learned from this guy. Dude, what do you Bro, if we had if we had one of these little robots that we keep in our pockets, and we could just go back in time to like the fifties, sixties, and just oh, this situation. Okay, I'm gonna do that in this situation. Bro, all these other people didn't have that. They had to learn through like it's a good tool through following somebody. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, is yeah. what you make it, bro. You could put your kid in front of an iPad all day watching freaking Peppa Pig, or you could invest nine dollars a month in abc mouse and have them reading by four years old straight up chapter books like it is what it is it is what you make it you'd be on tiktok looking at booty dancers or you could be on tiktok looking at hey dude um jason hartman dude like yeah all these people but like, there is no substitution for action there isn't there isn't you could learn how to do a push-up all day long yeah you know? but like are you gonna try one or are you gonna like right Right, yeah, but these guys like, I just I wanted to mention them because Please, it, it's dude. hard to to kind of get your head around. Not not that I'm advocating for analysis paralysis, like you mentioned earlier, but it is good to listen to other people's experiences and how they did things, right? And there's all these mastermind groups and all this stuff that you can get behind. But like, I would advocate to dabble in that and then quickly get into a deal, like some deal that cash flow positive that you're comfortable with and that you just get into it because there is no substitution for your own actual experience, at least for me personally. Like I, it's hard for me to like learn exactly from others. I have my own style on how I do things. Like I don't do stuff exactly like those guys. And then, you know, and then you have like the, what's his name robert cardone or whatever like grant cardone oh grant yeah yeah Yeah, like not the biggest fan you know like he's like this accredited accredited investor kind of style like i'm a hands-on guy i want i want my own like i want the property myself you know tied up in an llc or something like this like i don't want to give somebody else my money to invest it in like i don't like the stock market i don't you know like those are just things that I've kind of like formed my own opinion around and, you know. I would say you are passionate but not emotional. And when you feel yourself getting emotional about a deal, you're like, whoa, 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 John, let's take a step back. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you in a couple hours or I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. Why do you do that? Because it's business for me, right? Like, I mean, to say that I don't get emotional, like, I appreciate that. I take that as a compliment, but I do. No, no, I I know. But when you do, I see yourself immediately. uh, You recognize that. And then you you're like, look, we need to like, you're like, okay, I'm getting back. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I I feel myself. It's not something to be emotional about. Like, it's not like buying a personal home for you to raise a family in. And live in. Why is it dangerous to get emotional? Yeah, I mean, you're going to make bad decisions. You know, like, I mean, emotions are dry. Again, it goes back to that belief system. You know, like, this idea that, that I have in my head is the right answer. Fuck that. Like, 
that's not necessary. Like my first thought is like the wrong answer generally, not really, but I mean, sometimes, but again, and then going back to like the Noah thing, like when you have that intuition on when something is right, it's hard to discern. Like, I'm mm. not going to say that it's easy. That it's complicated. Good, that was good. You know, it's and, hard to discern yeah. intuition versus emotion. Yeah. And, and, but that goes back to your principles, what you've learned, because you have a certain parameter about a property. You have rules. You have rules. Yeah, I have you rules. You do. And then coming from you, when I hear and feel you getting a, dude, there was a triplex outside of city limits and you were close, you know, to, to putting in an offer on this thing. But then it was going against everything. Bro. Yeah, not the city the limits. Yeah. Had a septic. And again, like, not that, like, any of those things are wrong. Those are just my own rules that I've, that I've built up in my own, like, my own beliefs, right? Like, my BS. Yeah. You know? But that's, it helps me. It's like the guardrails. I mean, it's like this. I put some guardrails up to help me stay in these bounds a little bit. Yeah. And maybe one day, I, like, I venture out a little bit or whatever. But, like, at this earlier stage for me, <clears throat> you know, I keep these guardrails up. I have these little rules that I've made. Well, you've learned these through the failures of your mentors that you listen to that probably don't even know you listen to them. No, they have no idea. You know what yeah, I'm I mean? Saying, he's, yeah, I, yeah. How, like, you're probably going, like, this podcast is going to help somebody. I guarantee you it's going to help somebody make a move that initially they weren't even going to make, or it's going to motivate somebody to make a move that they initially weren't going to make. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, right. I mean, you never know who's pitching and who's catching. Yep. Like, not my, not my term, but like. <laughs> Hey, but it's like, 2023. You never know, dude. <laughs> not in that sense, John. But like, I know, I know. what I'm saying is like, you never know who's giving you something or who's receiving something, yep. right? And that's really the way that it should be. Like, I mean, you know, like, the service of you know others, absolutely, and, and how you can kind of benefit from all of those things, and you know, add a little bit and contribute to society here. But yeah, I mean. It's possible. Like anybody can get into it, but you have to have that desire to want to, right? Like you can't just, you know, work at the McDonald's checkout line and expect, you know, to become a quadrillionaire or like, you know, financially free. You know, you have to, there has to be some work in it. And, you know, we live in a time now where there's so much instant gratification, mm -hmm. right? Like, this mania of, you know, the COVID bubble or whatever it is that we're going to call it, you know, in a couple of years from now when we look back and it's like, remember that Bitcoin thing, you know, Dude. like the Benny, the beanie baby. Like, I mean, it's like people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to get rich in Bitcoin. It's like, I mean, certainly people did, you know, and like, that's the way it played out for them. And, but most lost money. A close family member of mine put in a, a, a good good chunk of his uh, retirement into yeah. something that was promised. And then, like, it's been pushed off for a year and a half already. Oh, well, we're going to pay. We just got to allocate money to this. And we got to, like, and they're all, every month they're supposed to get a payout. There's an excuse. And it's so sad, dude. Yeah. It, 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 I just, it, you know, it's it, it just it bothers me. A lot of people got taken advantage of. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, 
I don't know, man. No, it's sad. I mean, there's a lot of smart people, right, that fell into that trap of, like, greed. Yeah. I mean, it's greed. It is, dude. It is. And I, I did, too. I lost a little bit of money, too. Yeah, I'm guilty of it, too. I mean, like, yeah. I like to gamble. Yeah. And that's what it's fucking called. It's called gambling. Yeah, speculative uh, investing. <laughs> right. <technique. laughs> the, yeah. the proper term. Yeah, yeah. Speculative, whatever. It's called gambling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that's what it's fucking called. It is. Kind of and, like when it was person drinks wine, you know? Was, yeah, 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 yeah. Drinking, yeah. bro. Yeah, okay, we can call it whatever you fucking want, you know? <laughs> but let's just cut the bullshit. That's right, dude. You know? And it's hard to admit that, right? It, like, oh, my gosh. It's yeah. hard to, to, admit, to admit, like, our little, you know, guilty pleasures. You know, one cool thing about, um, one cool thing I learned about uh, um, addicts, alcoholics, uh, people in recovery is... We're not scared to call ourselves out on some bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it's the least of my worries. That's one thing that Sheena, like, dude, and, and, it, and it helps with my relationship with my wife, too, because I'll be the first one to say I was wrong, even though, like, it goes against everything inside of my ego. I'm like, look, dude, I, uh, I need to fix this about myself. And then, dude, once you start shaving off all these edges, bro, things become fucking easy. Easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it takes me like twenty thousand times to, to, to say I need to shave this off, and then yeah. it's still there. And yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not saying everything's perfect in in our lives, sunshine and rainbows, but it's easier when when uh when I'm not married to my ideas, when I can when I can actually be like, okay, that's not part of me. My idea is not me. I was wrong there, but you know. I can fix this and I I am I'm I'm not easily persuaded in any way but I am always wanting to better myself and if that takes change I am open to change. I'm, yeah. I am open to growing. I am open to learning and that's why I am not stuck in this divot not learning. I am not sold JC. Yeah, well that's what they say. I mean the only constant is change. And people forget that. I mean Going back to like the population, socioeconomic ideologies, uh, politics, you know, ideas about social norms and stuff like this. It is a very difficult time in discerning what is and what isn't. I mean, like, and it's already very vexing. Life is already very vexing as it is. And like, now we have all these other things that are popping up. But what I would say to all of that is, is that like, it's important to cancel or to try to cancel out as much noise as possible. Because like, again, you know, we're only dealing with people like ourselves that have total conviction in these ideas. But it's important to remember that like, that's not necessarily the truth of the matter like an echo chamber you mean oh well, yeah i mean like an echo or like but just from a personal standpoint falling into that 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 yeah echo chamber i guess yeah, yeah like, like you fall it in falling into that yeah i mean like make up your own mind you know do your own shit you know ignore the noise because that's what it is it's fucking noise it's difficult and, to though it's so difficult to not get sucked into that shit. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, it, human psychology is like the most bizarre and like fascinating and 
totally not understood by me to any extent. Like, but there's a lot of people that do not want to see other people succeed. I don't know why, dude. I don't either, but I used to be like that. I swear I did. I, and I do know why. And that was just an automatic, um, automatic response. I do know why JC, because of my freaking ego, because I had nothing going for me. Every time I saw somebody my same age or younger or whatever, somebody doing something that I aspired to do, jealousy, ego, envy, and and straight up uh, low self-esteem, that's why, JC. I've been there, dude. And And did you hear my robotic response? Oh, man, those people, poor people. That was me, bro. That was me. I was a straight up hater. Yeah. I was, dude. But even people that aren't like that, like even normal people, though, like just like seemingly normal people, smart people, successful people. Mm. It's weird, dude. I get, but I think fundamentally what you're saying is correct. This ego trip. Mm. It's like, and I think that's a massive kind of like phenomenon that's really glaring today more than it's ever glared. You know, it's it's happened before, like the Roman Empire stuff. Like, you know, the funny thing is, I always I like to talk about this because I like people to kind of understand. But like, you know, transgender and like animal fucking and all of these things are nothing new. Really? There's nothing new under the sun. Like the i like the idea that like this is like some all original idea is like complete bullshit. You know, as a matter of fact, like the Roman Empire. Not that I'm an expert on it, but like all of the orgy shit and all of the fuckeries and stuff, that all happened then too. And that was actually, some historians believe, was the beginning of the end of the Roman Empire. Really? Yeah, well, Joe Rogan talks about it all the time. It's like once a civilization starts coming to an end is when, uh, um, you know, sex, not like actual, the act of sex, but the gender um, of a person starts to get, you know... Not of a person, but of a civilization. Um, you know, weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Yeah. And it's just a, a, a cycle. And nothing against any any uh, anything anybody's going through or any stance anybody's on. But, dude, I got to pee again, bro. So I think that, honestly, I want to ask you before we go... Cause this is you're gonna be back, dude. Whether you like it or not. What time are we done, dude? Probably like two hours. Um, I want to ask you what type of legacy you want to leave, not just for you. Um, maybe for man, I, I, it's hard for me to project out in the future. John, ask me another question. <laughs> okay, the question I want to ask you is, um, um, and we can't, dude. I got to pee so bad. Homeschool, private school, public school, and why? That's parenting. It's all parenting. Parenting. 100%. Like, your kids can go anywhere, I think. doesn't matter. But, like, if you instill in them good values and morals and, you know, give them a solid foundation, uh, it's all up to them. You know, I, I think you can have kids in public school and, like, you know, have have maids and everything else like this and blah, 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 and do everything exactly perfect. And you still, they still might end up to be like super shitty people. Okay, environment, 
I heard that environment is 90% and um, um, genetics are 10%. What do you believe about that? It's possible. I mean, I, I don't claim to know. I think, I mean, it's not for me to know. Like, I, I'm not avoiding your question, John. I'm no, not. dude, like, this is beautiful. So yeah. if we could have got Hitler as a baby, <laughs> do you think I could have raised him to be a man like me? Uh, I think you could have had some influence on his life, yeah. But like, what do you think? Nature versus nurture? Do you, dude? Think- this is a bigger picture. This is, it's God's will. It's not mine. You know, and so like, I think things are going to happen the way they are going to happen. See, dude. So, you having that outlook on life, how much relief? I feel like I probably stress out more than you do about certain topics because you give a lot to God, and I put a lot on me yeah i do too and i mean that's not to say that like you can't try and still will your own way to some extent but like there are just things that are totally out of my control i'm just gonna speak for myself you know like i can't control you know exactly how my kid is gonna end up i mean my parents did a fantastic job with me but like they couldn't have kept me out of my life that i was going to be destined for regardless like regardless of how hard they tried like it was just not in their control right i am my own i mean that's the thing that's really confusing to me too like we talk about you know kids and and all in parenting but the thing is i believe that once you become married you're like you separate from that family like now you have your family yes exactly and so like my kids are going to do that. Like You said that the other day. It scared the shit out of me, dude. Yeah. I, well, okay. So, like, when I was in marriage counseling <laughs> oh. once once before, a long time ago, that therapist, he said, he said, so if you were to fall out of a lifeboat and it was your wife and one of your children, like, who are you saving? And he's like, you can't save both. Like, you only have an opportunity to save one. If I were to what? If like if your wife and one of your kids fell out of a lifeboat, you're in the ocean, it's storming, there's fucking waves crashing down and everything, who are you saving? You have to save the child. And I would hope my wife would save my kid too. Okay, but here's the really fucked up kind of like thing to this whole deal. Like and I used to think that. Right? But like I have this understanding that like my kids are gonna flourish and leave me. Like they're gonna flower up they're going to become their own person. They're going to start their own families. And like, yes, I have the control and some, some control and some dictation of how they live their lives now, but like that will end. And I want it to end. I want them to become their own person. But with my wife, she is somebody that we are now one. I believe that like, it's a union. It like, we are one thing. Yes, I do too. Yeah. And so like, that's like letting a part of me die. Whereas my child is going to be their own union with somebody else, hopefully one day. And so like the other part of that is, is that like, you know, that's just what I believe. I mean, I think that like my wife and I are just one and that like our kids are an offspring of ours, but they're going to become one with somebody else. I can I can see that, but I, I, I stand my ground on that one. That's fine, John. I mean, 
Here, you know, I've experienced both. I've lost both things. I before. couldn't. I, 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 I you couldn't know? imagine. DC. And, I couldn't imagine. And that. it's like it's the worst. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like worst doesn't even summarize it. And I think about her every day. You know, like every single day. You know, um, but again, like it's not something that I can be trapped in. You know, because I have other surviving kids, and I have a wife. And I have other things that I have to You to have to, to perform. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a tragedy. And it's just like the story, you know, like, not even close to the story of Job. And that's the thing, you know, like, that's why I said it could be fucking way worse. I'm so selfish. I don't know if I would have that perspective. I'm so selfish. What other choice say, compared to what? Job. And that's the like, thing that Jason Horman is. He's compared to what, though? I mean, what other option do you have? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Like, I mean, like, what other option, what other alternative is there? You know, like, am I supposed to give up on life? You know, and like, and my wife hasn't done that. My kids haven't done that. And so why should I do that? You know, it's like this thing that continues. We must trek on. JC, that's... Trudging the road. You know, you got to like, you're stepping with purpose. And like, I always think of like people... They're in the army or whatever the fuck. Like, I always think of Saving Private Ryan when I think of trudging. Mm-hmm. Like, they're fucking out there, like, just fucking continuing to walk on mm-hmm. and go and go and go. Like, no matter how tired you are, no matter how, like, feeling sorry for yourself you, you are, but, like, you're just going and, like, a whole another level kicks in. That's what you have to find. I mean, that, and, like, and it's not like a found thing and you only find it once. It's something that I always have to continue to seek. You know, like, that's what I'm saying. No arrival. There's no arrival. Like, like, there's just missions, little missions in life that you have to get through. You know, but, like, there's just no alternative. I feel like your mindset, you would have made it through Bud's. I really do. I come across a few, not really, I, I come across some people, and I, through my time there, I... I witnessed certain characteristics of certain men who made it. And uh, I just feel like you would have, really. I feel like you would have because you you broke it down to each individual day. What they say is one evolution at a time. Yeah. Make it to lunch. Okay, let's make it to chow. Okay, let's make it. That's the only way to do it in my mind. And then like you said, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to be sober tomorrow. And then me, I'm thinking about the big picture. And you're like, I'm just going to win right now. I'm going to I'm going to make it to here, make it to here, make it to here. And that's what creates a successful whatever, whether it be a financial plan, um, uh, a diet, um, a compound interest S&P fucking 500. You put your Roth IRA in. You just constantly, one little step at a time, one compound effect at a time, and then you get there. But there is no there. Yeah. There is no there. What's going to happen when you die? What's going to happen to your Roth IRA? Oh, your kids are probably going to inherit it. Put it in a trust. Nobody whatever. gives a shit. Dude, nobody cares. That's... It, JC, we got to go, bro. We got to get off this podcast, and we got to continue. It was an honor. This was probably the most real podcast I have ever had. Um, ladies and gentlemen, JC Taylor, he is an investor, the first investor we've had on. But want to be an investor. I'm dude, <laughs> nine doors, my bro. But these are the kind of people that I, I am going to try to have on more. Real people. Not that these past guests haven't been real, but just... Just people, everyday people of our community, people behind closed doors that you don't even know are providing value to the community, but they are. 
Uh, JC, it was an honor, brother. Yeah, thanks Thank for having you. me on.